This week is part two with Marco. Let's just dive in. So have you had any experiences with strange entities? Strange entities. Other um, than your grandfather with the ghost goat, which is still killing me. <laughs> well, That's scary and, and at the same time a little ludicrous, but still scary. Yeah. And yeah. That's and about very mythic. Yeah. That's about that's on par for Acevedo family lore, kind of a little silly and a little terrifying. Um, <laughs> um I will say that my uh, sleep paralysis experience is something that <clears throat> I have kind of been um, having more thoughts about recently, knowing what I know and hearing, having heard the things that I've heard. Um, this is, again, this is one of those kind of few weird things that I felt could still happen in the craziness that was New York. Um, I feel like it was all basically restricted to synchronicity and, and, and sleep paralysis. Um, as I was saying before, um, I was, I was one pretty overworked dude back in New York, back, back in the day. <laughs> so yeah. my, um, my, my, um, my sleep patterns were all over the damn place. Um, I was not getting my eight hours. I wasn't getting my seven hours. I probably was getting an average of about five hours of sleep a night. Some nights were all nighters. Some nights I got four hours of sleep, you know, and try and catch up on the weekends. And this was like, um, I didn't have a normal night's sleep for probably 20 years. Really. When I come to think of it. Um, no, maybe that's a little extreme. Maybe more like 15 years. Um, and apparently it sort of caught up with me. Um, so I was, what happened was I was living with my ex at the time in, I think Brooklyn. Yeah, this was definitely either the very late nineties or beginning of the aughts. And, uh, we had cats. Um, do you have cats? I don't know. Mm. I don't oh yeah. 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 So, you know, like when they start picking at the furniture and you just know that sound and you're just like run over, ah, you know, yeah. Oh like yeah. Get them away from the furniture. So, um, it was something like that. It was like, I was almost asleep and I hear that picking sound. Like one of them's under the bed, just picking at the bed. I've got a cat that does that. Yeah. And I just was like, I immediately kind of woke up and was like, you know, ready to sort of dive under the bed and like shoo the cat away. <clears throat> but a weird thing was I couldn't move. Mm. And not only couldn't I move, I felt like the bed was vibrating and like I was vibrating, oh. like a charge was like running through me. I'd never experienced anything like that, or really since that first time. That first uh, sleep paralysis episode was really intense, and <clears throat> I didn't know what was going on. It was terrifying. So all I knew was I couldn't. I felt like I was awake. I could actually see my girlfriend sleeping next to me. I could see the room, but I couldn't move. My body was like like I had been plugged into a wall socket, like, 
it just mm. felt like that. And the whole bed felt like that. And this tearing sound just got more insistent and louder and louder, like something was clunk. And all of a sudden, you know, I think that some experiences like dreams take, they use um, pop culture as a medium, right? Mm-hmm. I have never seen, to this day, I have not seen Nightmare on Elm Street, mm-hmm. but I knew about the claws and the scene, you know, I've seen the scene right. where he tears up. I'm sure that something of that, this thing latched onto, because that was like, it, it wasn't like a Freddy Krueger hand that I imagined, but <clears throat> it was a hand with claws that I imagined kind of coming up through the mattress mm. towards me. And I just remember trying to talk, you know, like, I couldn't really make the words until finally I kind of broke through and my girlfriend turned around and said, what? <laughs> I was like, nothing. That was really freaky. I'll tell you about it tomorrow. <laughs> and, oh, man. And then I went to sleep. But then as I drifted to sleep, the vibration would kind of start again and I'd wake mm-hmm. up. And so it took a little while for me to go back to sleep. That was the first time that had ever happened to me. I'd never heard of sleep paralysis. I'd heard vaguely of things called night terrors, but that's something else. Actually, my son suffered from that for about, for a couple of months when he was about four. That's something else. So, I mean, of course, I had to figure out what that was. So I found out pretty quickly, Googling and Wikipediaing and stuff that there's this thing called sleep paralysis and that it's often connected to the sense that something malevolent is in the room with you and da, da, da. a lot of times people see things like a shadow person or a hag. This was, I didn't see anything. This was all a purely audio experience. I had that experience a few more times. I would say less intensely than the first time. And I think the fact that I knew that there was something called sleep paralysis and that there was a clinical explanation seemed to, <clears throat> it seemed to sort of um, tone it down a little mm-hmm. bit. And I ultimately connected it to my terrible sleep patterns. Yeah. So over time, I tried to get a handle on that. I started getting more and better sleep. I left that job, which was, that helped. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, and then it went away, but not entirely. The sleep paralysis went away. The sense that something made its presence known as I was falling asleep, that didn't go away. So a different house, I was still with my ex. She was away, to, her mom had started getting ill around that time. So she was away that weekend taking care of her mom. I was alone in the house and I was living on the first floor. My landlord was living on the second floor and it was their house. It was a like a double, you know, there are triple deckers in New England. Mm -hmm. It was like a double decker. I fell asleep watching TV and uh, our front door to our apartment faced into the vestibule for the house. So it was a funny little space. It was sort of like, it sort of had three doors with 
windows opening into it, the front door of the whole house, the front door of our apartment, and the door that led to the stairs up to my landlord. I'm watching TV and I fall asleep. <clears throat> and all of a sudden I'm woken by the sound of, the closest thing I can describe it as, as if you were to take your hand and wrap it staccato on, a, on glass, like, mm. so your nails were hitting it like that, Ew. like really Ew. insistently, right? So I heard that and I just, I woke up. My first thought, kind of similar to, oh my God, the cats are ripping up the bed. It was always some kind of yeah. mini crisis. I'm like, oh my God, uh, my landlord's pissed off because I had the TV on too loud or something. So I turn around, I was in the living room. I turn around and I look towards the door and it's dark. There's nobody on the other side of the door. I'm like, oh, because it sounded like it came from that direction. So I walked, and then I got up and I walked over, I turned the TV down, I walked over to the door and I looked through the glass, I could see out onto the front porch, it was nighttime, there was nobody there. I could see partly up the stairs to my landlord's floor, and it was dark, and there was nobody there. That was really weird, because I woke up instantly, so I should have been able to see whoever was rapping at the door. Right. Nobody. All right, that was weird. Um... But it happened a few more times. And one time it happened on the subway. Mm. I was in, I was on the, I don't know, whatever train it was. But, you know, the train was hurtling through the tunnel under New York. I'm falling asleep, as I usually do, because, you know, I'm always falling asleep when I'm, like, sitting on the subway. So I fall asleep. And as I'm falling asleep, on the window glass next to me. And I wake up and I turn around and the, the, the car is empty. The nearest person is this woman and her kid sitting like, you know, 35 feet back on the other end of the car. And I look oh, and I'm man. like, if it like it came from the window and the only thing out there was the, the train tunnel whooshing by, you know, so I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so I feel like the same thing happened maybe once or twice more. But all this time, I'm getting a better, a better handle on my sleep. And I'm realizing whatever this is, it happens. What's I forget whether it's hypnopompic or hypnagogic. It's definitely, it happens as I'm falling asleep. That's hypnopompic. But it gets less pronounced over time. And after yeah. a while, I kind of lose track of it. Although even now, here in Evanston... Um, it still comes back in odd ways. Um, you know, there are still nights where I work late. <clears throat> and if there have been a couple of nights where I don't get my full night's sleep, I can sense that I am, let's say, in a vulnerable state to, I don't really get full-on sleep paralysis anymore. But that buzzy kind of electric feeling, mm-hmm is there is it's really hard to describe it's kind of close to um tinnitus Mm -hmm. only instead of in your ear it's kind of in your head yeah and i feel like i feel myself almost falling into it as i fall asleep like i fall asleep and and then that wakes me up again because it's like a scary feeling right 
And then it happens a couple of times and I eventually fall asleep. But it's very annoying because it, you know, I'm trying to get sleep and it, it interferes with that process. But it's not nearly as crazy as it was back in the day. Right. And it's still connected to <clears throat> a tapping sound. Yeah, so at this point, at this point, you know, I'm sort of bemused about the whole thing. So I've kind of given this thing a name. I call it the tapper. <laughs> <laughs> so the tapper occasionally makes its presence known if I haven't been getting my sleep. Um, a couple of times I felt it as a, just a light tapping on the pillow. Just like, just like a reminder that it's there. And I'll wake up and I'll be like, huh, okay, well, all right, that's not so bad. I'll go back to sleep. And I'm not so scared anymore. And I'm right. still not sure where this is on the line from clinical situation to entity. Right. But I don't know. Um, and then one night relatively recently, I'd say sometime earlier this year, um, I was about to fall asleep and I felt something just go like this on the back of my neck. Hmm. I thought it was one of my kids. It felt kind of like one of my kids waking up and trying to get my attention without waking up my wife. So it was like, right. Like that. But I turn around and there's nobody there. Hmm. <laughs> and so I got kind of pissed off. I'm like, tapper. Now that's too much. That's <laughs> no, you crossed the line there. Just don't touch me. <laughs> like, we have a deal here. We have do a not, deal. <laughs> do not touch me. And I don't know. I haven't felt anything since then, but it's odd that this thing has been going on. Oh man. That first episode was, I would say about 20 years ago. Yeah. And I was still, catching up on sleep and the first few episodes were pretty intense, but it's interesting that over time it's, it's kind of hung around and each time it's less and less intense, but it's still, mm -hmm. but it's still there. It's still there. It's almost just sort of reminding me, like, Oh, I'm here. Get your sleep. Cause. <laughs> Cause I can make your life miserable. Yeah. <laughs> Won't that be fun? So I don't know. I'm not sure what that is. Um, you know, I am of the opinion more and more lately that just because something has a clinical physical explanation doesn't mean that there's another aspect to it. You know? mm -hmm. Like maybe that those are the times when one is more open mm -hmm. to something from yeah. the outside. I think that's true. I was going to say that buzzing thing that you describe, a lot of people who do out of body work mm -hmm. that's how they say it is right before they lift off really? as it were yeah because it's interesting it is the bed shaking and the feeling like you're vibrating and feeling an electrical zap in your really? head yeah. i i've been wondering if it if it had anything to do with the stuff that um Soraya talks about Kundalini. Mm, Kundalini yeah. Um, I've heard a few of his stories, not all of them, but what resonates with me is the sense of 
this feeling that it's almost like an electrical charge. Yeah. Or some version of electricity. Yeah. <laughs> Electromagnetic energy. Yep. Something. Yep. Something. That's interesting. The idea that what is it out of like people have out of body experiences? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because it is a kind of scary feeling. It's sort of like in the moment scary, not scary, creepy, but just sort of like like you're falling or like there's oh this, yeah it's that it's that loss of agency mm -hmm. like it's not just the buzzing it's like i'm falling asleep and i'm you know oh yeah falling into this ocean of buzz whatever that is it's that yeah you know, it's very hard to describe that's the closest way i can describe it and it's sort of like and it's scary and it wakes me up because it's like, I, you know, I don't. Your, your conscious mind goes, oh, no, no, no. Right. No. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> your subconscious mind is just go with it. Right. Go with it. Right. And the conscious mind is going, oh, no, I'm not. No. Right. No. No. I like that. No. <laughs> it's sort of like, it's sort of like, you know, when I was a kid and I, and I um, fell off the, uh, the, the inner tube, I was floating in a, in a, a little pond out behind a relative's house in Florida. This was, I was like six or something. And I was floating on an air tube and my cousins were supposed to be watching me, but they were kind of not. Oh, oops. And I decided I would get off and go grab some lunch. And I slid off of the inner tube and I didn't know that I was in six feet of water. Oh no. So it's sort of, it was a really yeah. weird experience. It was like, you know, fault the water closes in over my head as I'm not feeling the ground. And then I oh. feel the ground and the ground is all gooey and squishy. Oh, and oh, there's yeah. like plants all around me. It was the, it was really weird. It was like I'd entered another world, but of course it was terrifying because I'm like, I'm no about air. to drown. Yeah. And then one of my cousins got me out like in that moment, but that it's a similar feeling of like, I'm about to pop through into some other place and mm -hmm. I'm not ready to check that out quite yet. Yeah. So your, your conscious mind goes, yep. Nope. Yep. <laughs> we're not going there now. Yeah. It shuts That's that down. not what we're doing. <laughs> it wakes you up. It's just like, no, 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 no. Yeah. I, I've, I've had a lot of those weird, strange experiences and hypnagogic and hypnopopic hallucinations and, dreams that come into you know conscious mm. waking i think that my subconscious and conscious mind just sort of play this game of oh we're both awake at the same time isn't that fun hey let's see what happens <laughs> right you know and then you know it's weird and weird things happen and right but you know that i would say the closest thing to feeling the presence of an entity was this because it felt like the same phenomenon over all those years mm-hmm it was like it had a, an M.O. Right. Um, but it was just sort of like it felt like it didn't have to be as scary anymore. It was just sort of like, hey, remember me? Kind of. It's yeah. very strange. I don't know. I don't quite know what to make of that. But um, like a lot of things, I'm sort of in a way. Oh, hello. <laughs> um, glad to know. Sort of in a way glad to have had the experience. Just because, mm -hmm. you know, it just makes things a little more interesting, a little richer. Um, but, yeah, when, when you've got nothing to – it's like what you were saying about experiencers who don't, who don't have access to 
any way of interpreting yeah. the experience. At first, it was terrifying, and then it was really interesting, a little terrifying, and then it was a little annoying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and now it's just sort of like, huh, still not knowing what to make of it. Um, yeah, that's so that's my entity story. That's an interesting one. I like that you named him the Tapper. That's 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 what it does. It taps, either taps really insistently or really softly. At least it stopped tearing, you know. The tearing, yeah, that, the tearing version was not cool. I all. didn't like that. No. <laughs> no, and I, and I have a cat that that does do that underneath the bed. So yeah, the, yeah, he'll do that, and I'll think about you know. Yeah. No. Sorry. Sorry to put that one in your brain. <laughs> it's <room>. okay. <laughs> There's enough that already lives in there. That there it's, the tapper. It's, it's just oh, whatever. The tapper seems pretty cool compared to some of the weird crap I get with with sleep paralysis. Man, have you ever seen the the show Babylon Five? No, I've heard you talk a lot about it, and yeah. I really need to see it. I mean, I love sci-fi shows. That's just one that I haven't. It's a it's to. a really good one. Soraya is a is another fan, and so yeah. is Morgana. Um, there's a a race, an alien race called the Vorlons, mm-hmm. and they have to go around in this encounter suit because they're basically disembodied light in their natural form. Oh wow! So they're kind of encased. Yeah, so they they have this suit so they can walk amongst people without showing their actual form. But their actual form is kind of a writhing light that sort of has tentacle sort of shapes. and Interesting. And it's green and yellow. And one of the... One of the more recent times I had a, a sleep paralysis event, I woke up and I couldn't move. And I see one of my cats named Grimalkin and she's like over by the door to the, to the hallway. And we had the hallway um, nightlight on because Wolf was little. And uh, she's looking at something up, up on the ceiling of the hallway. And I'm like, what is going on? Is there a spider up there? You know? So I can move my eyes and I look up and there's this, weird green and yellow tentacly looking light up there. And I was like, that's a forlorn. Like, <laughs> <laughs> my brain was like, forlorn, what are you doing on my ceiling? You know? And then I was like, Oh, you're dreaming. That's what it is. But then my cat starts trying oh, to interact wow. with it. And she's oh, wow. you know, sta- sitting up on her hind paws and sort of waving up at it. And I'm like, all right, Grimmy, now stop that. You know, that's when I start trying to move and it's still up there. And wow. it wasn't until I could really move that it really just faded. But I was like, why am I having a forlorn looking <laughs> thing? Up there? What is that? You know, I was like, that sounds like a song. Vorlon, what you doing up there? <laughs> what are you doing on my ceiling? Why? <laughs> Why are you up there? The interesting thing about Vorlons is they've uh, they appear to people as uh, angels. 
oh, you know, and and all the different races, their idea of what an angel is 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 a Vorlon. So the Vorlons have been have been in contact. Yes, but in the yes. past, and they were. Yeah, and they kind of seeded the idea of them as as the good guys, as angels, or as messengers of the divine. Right. So that's pretty cool. And I'm like, so is that really what angels look like? I didn't see no like extra eyes and wings and okay. See, everything loops into itself. So here's the connecting the whole angel thing with the yes the sleep paralysis thing. Yeah. Um, it, it all comes around on the guitar eventually. Yep. Yep. As uh, Arlo Guthrie would say. So the, the other thing, see if I can make it I'm not rambling, but so if, if 2020 was sort of like the year of the trees or the year of the green man or nature, or whatever, um, 20, I would say, I mean, it's not a, an even breakdown because this thing started in December last year. But I would say 2021 was the year of, of birds for me, the bird. Right? Now, this was, this was crazy how this started. This, I was listening to Where Did the Road Go? And it was Soraya's interview with Patrick Harper. Oh, that's a great one. Yep. And I'm trying to remember exactly how this went. I'm pretty sure I wrote about this like minutes after it happened because it was so crazy. I think I posted about it in the Radio Mysterioso um, thread. But what happened was I'm, I'm listening to the podcast on my headphones and I was out on a long walk and I'm almost back home. This was, I think, on a December day. And I'm a block away from home and I'm listening and I'm at a point where Harper is talking about the provenance of the word daimon or, you know, the worldview of the Greeks. Mm -hmm. And he says something like this. He's talking and he's literally saying, you know, the Greeks had this idea that, you know, there was the normal day-to-day -day world. And as he's saying this, you know, I'm sort of embodying it. I'm sort of like looking around, okay, yeah, this is my day-to-day. -day. Because I'm trying to just follow along with his, his thought. So I'm looking around. <laughs> as he's saying it, I'm approaching the corner to the street that I'm on. And I'm just sort of, you know, taking it in as the normal world. My neighbors, in their, my neighbors' homes, that particular corner. And I'm reaching the corner as he's saying this. And then he says, but, again, I'm paraphrasing. Um, but they also believed in this other world that made its presence known sometimes. Something like that. And I'm, I'm not certain, exactly sure what he said. Something along those lines. And as he's saying those words, I make the turn on the corner to head home. And I look, and there's a picket fence next to me, the house that's next to me. As he says those words, I look up, and there is a hawk sitting on the picket fence, staring at me, <laughs> 10 feet away from me. And I'm like, you've got to be, you know, what? <laughs> and then it just flew off. It flew into the yard and, and went off. And I'm just like, it like, that shook me, man. Because it was sort of like, yep. it was following the words. There was my normal world. And then something was going to make its 
presence it's self-known. Known, the daimon, right? As he's saying those words in the podcast, who sees, I mean, maybe people do. In my neighborhood, in Evanston, you don't really normally see hawks at street level very often. Yeah, that's that's unusual even for Athens, so yeah. Later, I always do research to ground myself in weird stuff like that happens. And so I think it was a Cooper's hawk, which are known to be, are known to hang around yards, mm-hmm. or a little closer to humans than other hawks are. But still, yeah. the timing of it was just uncanny, you know? Yeah, that is uncanny. That's And I just remember running home and like po- posting it. <laughs> I was like, this happened. And uh, so then... <clears throat> So then that year I was a little, I mean, I was still really grooving on, you know, trees and, and, and plants, but I was a little more attuned to um, the weirdness around birds. So of course I read the messengers um, mm-hmm. by Mike Holland, which had, you know, that experience had its own synchronicities attached to it. Um, but the high point with the whole bird thing was, Earlier this year, um, we got away. A friend of ours lent us her house outside of Galena in western Illinois. <clears throat> so um, we were there. You know, the kids were there. The, the, the wife was there. And it was this really nice house with a deck in the back with a hot tub. And Galena, that whole area, I don't know if you've ever been around that area it um well first of all it's a really interesting part of illinois because it's not flat plains midwest it's there's hills and valleys and that's because that's the um it's called the driftless area okay which is supposed to be a whole odd region between illinois mostly it's in wisconsin in that area where the glaciers didn't go didn't go and so basically instead of flattening everything there's still you know it feels more like new england it's really it's Mm -hmm. an odd place because it feels like new england in the middle of the midwest or in the middle of you know what should be um uh flat flat land it's like hills and valleys and stuff so it does have a mystical quality just being different than everything right And Galena, you know, is one of those towns with like a thousand ghost tours. And it's it, like other towns in that region, made its fortune with mining Mm. and minerals. I think lead. I think they made their fortune in lead or something like that. Um, So it's just it's an interesting, definitely liminal kind of area. And. While I was researching places to check out with the kids, I found that there were um, effigy, effigy mounds. Ah. And, duh, I didn't really realize that basically Galena is essentially on the shores of the Mississippi, a little further in. But the Mississippi's right there. I'd never been to the Mississippi. So that's a cool day trip. So we took off to see a Thunderbird mound. Ah. Beautiful, th- you know, on Google Maps, it's this beautiful Thunderbird mound. You can see it on Google Maps. And it's just above the Mississippi, like on a bluff. <clears throat> so we get there, and it's this, 
you know, very atmospheric day. It's overcast. The trees are all still bare. And we come to the area where the mound is, and I can't see this. I can't. Literally, I can't see the mound through the trees. I, I just like there's trees and bushes and stuff, and I'm like, I can't detect it. I know it's. I'm. I know we're standing on the mound, but it's the kind of thing where you just, you just can't see it. It's just too big, and yeah. there's too much other detail, and it's it's undetectable. Which really, I found really, really disappointing, because I was expecting to be to be to visibly stand, you know, in the middle of this giant bird. Right. So <clears throat> the family wandered off a bit and I hung around just looking around, seeing if I could in any way detect this mound. And I couldn't. And I said, well, it was time to move on because I, I couldn't see this mound. We were going to do some more hiking in the area. And then I saw, I spotted this really cool little, um, a bird's nest about two feet off the ground in the middle of some brambles, about this big. And it was Aww. shaped like a heart. It was very cute. You know, it was like this cute little bird's nest. And I thought, oh, that's cool. All right, cool. I'll, I'll take that. That'll be my memento. I couldn't find this big thunderbird, but I'll take that. So I took it. And I'm walking along with it thinking, oh, you know, the kid's going to love it. This is great. And then I get this weird feeling like, is this cool? Is this cool to do? Like I'm doing, I'm disappointed that I don't see the Thunderbird. And all of a sudden my action felt petty. Like, well, damn it. I'm going to get something out of this experience. I'm going to take this little nest. <clears throat> so I got this really odd feeling of like, I shouldn't do this. This because I'm approaching it with the wrong intent. I'm like, I was mad and I'm like, I'm going to get something out of this. And I took this and I was like, it just felt off. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> I stopped and I turned around and I said, and it was weird because it was shaped like a little heart. Mm -hmm. And I thought, I'm going to leave this with the mound. And I can't really see the mound, but I'll try and leave it as close to where I think the middle of it is, the heart of the mound, right? So I walk in the, right into the middle of these other brambles where I think the middle of the mound is. And the nest basically, it was in a branch. And it just basically fell off the branch and landed on the ground. But it just sort of like dropped. And it just, I was like, that felt wrong and haphazard. So I picked it up again. And I just sort of looked. And in that moment, it's really weird. I, you know, may have been my imagination, but in that moment, I felt like <clears throat> I could sort of detect a center to, I kind of saw features there that maybe radiated from a center. I couldn't quite tell, but in that moment I decided, okay, this is probably about as close to the middle of this mound. And I just, you know, gently put the nest down in the middle of it and backed off. So I felt a little sad that I didn't have that nest because it was a cool thing, cool memento. But it just felt right not to take it the way I was. Yeah, it. yeah. I rejoined my family. And then we got a show. It was like, so we were on the bluff over the Mississippi. Now, that's the thing about the Mississippi that blew my mind was we were basically looking down on waterways that were mm -hmm. interspersed with bits of land 
So it looked more like a little bit of a swamp or like a series of rivers. Mm -hmm. And then way off in the distance, there was a clearing where you could see what almost looked like a lake. And that was the span of the Mississippi proper. I had no idea how huge that river is and how complex it is. So I'm just sort of taking that in. And I realized, oh, I can see other mounds. These are like simpler mounds, like barrel-shaped mounds. Mm -hmm. But I definitely could see when I was standing on top of one of them. The land just sort of went rose like that. My son looks up and he sees, oh, those are cool-looking birds. I look up and I see, I guess, I think they're herons. They're pretty high up. But it's a group of them. And, you know, they look pretty prehistoric. You know, they mm -hmm. look like little pterodactyls. Yeah. So my my kid got a real charge of it. It's like, wow, what are those? They look like they look like dinosaurs. They look like I'm Like, yeah, I think those are herons. So we're following those, and we're starting to see like the occasional hawk zipping by, you know. And then my daughter says, "Whoa, what are those?" And we look across the waters, across the river. So against the darkness of the trees and stuff in the distance, which are bare, but so it's all just a dark brown background. I didn't know what I was looking at. A series of white dots. So it turned out they were birds in formation. But I'd never seen anything like it. It was crazy. It was almost, I got the sense there was almost forming geometric shapes as it was flying. It wasn't just like, you know, I've seen geese fly and they have the, you know, the branching sort of, geese flocks yeah this was these were these little i don't know how big they were this was very far away but they looked white against the dark background and i saw almost a perfect circle and then like a square and then like a, you know i don't know if it's i got to see a triangle but i'm watching this going what am i looking at because it's forming forms as it's going it's morphing right and then it's against the sky and i could see that they're birds and then the formation just seems a little more natural, like a little more random. It's not making shapes anymore. But I swear, for a second, it was flashing shapes at us, you know? That's amazing. And I'm like, wow, that's crazy. So that was already, like, I was starting to think at that point, like, I think I did the right thing. Yeah. I put the thing back, and then it sort of gifted me back with this show. And as I'm thinking this, a bald eagle flies over us does a couple of loops like here i am and then flies back and we're all like wow <laughs> <just like, laughs> i've awesome. never seen we've seen bald eagles from the far distance but this this guy came right up close did a little show for us and then flew off that's awesome and we were just like oh my god you know that was just crazy that was just a crazy 15 minutes of just crazy bird stuff that's amazing. And then I found out later that the Mississippi is, I guess there's something called a flyway there, where a mm -hmm. lot of birds do migrating along that path. But it just made me realize, wow, yeah, I can see this being sacred. You mm -hmm. know? If peoples who lived here knew that this was basically kind of a bird highway, of course they're going to consider it sacred to birds mm -hmm. and build, you know, an effigy mound shaped like a big thunder and that all started making sense yeah 
And so again, that thing of like, there's just certain places with this ancient energy, this ancient vibe. So it was cool to, to kind of connect with people that saw this, God knows how many hundreds or thousands of years ago. I don't know how old the mound is. I think it's how old the mounds, like thousands, right? Yeah. And to see it now, to see the same energy now. Oh, this is the bird highway running up the middle of the country, you know. And like here are these birds putting on a show. And I have this weird feeling that we wouldn't have seen that if I had been, you know, mean petty me running off with my little nest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 one of the rules about uh the burial mounds is not to take anything. Right. Away. Even if it's just a piece of plant or something, it's just not yeah. not a good not a good thing. Right. Crazy, crazy, crazy. And then the final touch on that story was I'm relating the you know, what I was experiencing to my daughter. We're hanging out on the deck of the house. And at this point it's almost nightfall. And I'm, I'm telling her basically what I told you right now. Like all that stuff we saw was in the context of my decision to leave this behind. So I'm telling her this and she's like absorbing it and like thinking about it. And I'm, I've got my back towards the house. She's got her back to the countryside beyond the house. And I finished telling her this story and I see a dot in the sky, like almost directly over her. And there's, there happens to be sort of a path cut through some trees. That's part mm-hmm. of that development. It's a way for people to get around. It's like, you know, basically a hiking path cut through there. And I see that it's a bird and it's making a beeline towards us. And it literally flies almost directly over my head. And when it gets over my head, I see that it's a hawk. And then it swerves, but only because it was probably about to hit the house. And then it swerved around the house and vanished. So that just underlined that whole thing. Yeah. It's like, I'm telling the story, I'm I'm processing it. And it's like, (laughs) you know, the hawk, you know, the the bird that started this whole thing. Mm -hmm. It's like it flew, made a beeline right over me, right over my head. As if to say, yep. Something happened. Yep. Crazy. Hawks are messengers. They always have a message. Yep. And, you know, and the stuff just keeps happening. You saw that drawing I made uh, on, that I posted on Facebook. Apparently it's a whole other realm of stuff, but I've been seeing um, interesting let's say interesting lights Mm -hmm. uh, in this camp area that we go to in the summertime in Michigan. Right. And at one point I saw, um, I saw one of these lights about, you know, let's say 10 o'clock high or, you know, a little bit above the horizon, but flying horizontally. And I'm staring at it because I'm like, I want to make sure this isn't a plane or whatever. You know, so I'm looking at it and I'm trying to figure out what it is or what it's not. And I just see something essentially looks like a star. Mm -hmm. 
but it's not, it doesn't have, I don't know if you get this, but it's like when you see a satellite, it's making a very precise linear motion through the sky. Oh yeah. Yeah. They, they don't deviate from that. Right. And this thing wasn't flying crazy, but it didn't have that same, this thing was propelling itself through the sky like a plane might, but it didn't have plane lights. It was a single little teeny light. Mm -hmm. And it just had the sense of it was propelling itself through the sky. So it didn't quite seem, you know, that precise, even speed. It was like slowing, speeding, slowing, speeding. Right. And then it, as it's flying, it fades and disappears. No. Yeah, see. Which is what the lights had been doing on this trip. Like the night before, I saw similar lights that were flying upward and disappearing like that. And as I'm looking at it, trying to figure out what it is I'm looking at, and it's getting pretty dark at this point, um, something, I'm guessing it was a heron, flies in a parallel path with the lake as a background. But oh, it's wow. like really dark. So this yeah. thing startled me. So I'm looking yeah. at something far away, flying in a straight line. And then something just... And then yeah. something parallel, but much closer to me and dark, like a big bird just went, like, you know, in parallel. Right, light. yeah. And it was as if to say, yep, this is something. Again, it was like, it felt like... So that's why I jokingly say this year has been about the birds because they've been sort of, I don't know. I think what how you described it was that they're kind of they've got messages. They're like you know they're sort of acting like messages. What the messages mm -hmm. are exactly, I don't know. But yeah, one of one of the things I've said for years is the universe talks to me in birds. Really? Mm -hmm. Yeah it 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 gives me messages through birds bird behavior yeah. probably because i've been observing bird behavior since i was a little kid and so it's a it's a means it can ex it can talk to me mm -hmm. in that language and so i think it's teaching you the language that it wants you to learn it seems that way it seems that way anyway weird stuff yeah <laughs> and you're right it you know if you look at it from a skeptical point of view. If you, if you look at it from a purely non-metaphysical view, viewpoint or a very uh, materialist viewpoint, it's just birds. It's right. just trees. It's just statues. Mm -hmm. It's just lights. You know, why do you worry about what those lights are? They're just lights. Right. But that's not just what they are. You know, if you look at things in a, in a layered, daimonic, holistic way, these mm -hmm. things are indicative of something else. Yeah. That's that's why well, synchronicity storms are so hard to explain to people when they don't happen to them or they're not there when they happen. Right. Because when you explain it, then you start sounding like the guy with the, the yarn on the bulletin board with the the pins <laughs> yes. and the maps. And the pictures. A little, a little wild-eyed. Yep. Yeah, and you get yep, the yep. crazy eyes. You're like the guy on, on TV going, it's not the aliens, but it's the aliens, you know. Right, and right. and then you, you feel like a big dope. and You know, 
but that is kind of how that sort of it's almost i think greg called it a shamanic worldview where you see the world in its layers you don't see just the material plane you see the other planes of existence and you attach meaning to to everything and yeah i guess that i mean people could see that as superstitious or whatever but if it if it allows you to engage with the world in a deeper way then it's Mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with it it's Mm -hmm. it's just how some people's brains are wired i think in art i'd rather yeah i'd rather i'd rather live in that world it's a lot more interesting yeah and in the world where um i mean my father-in-law who i love dearly again very old school total materialist yeah and i realized he is actually more afraid of, I don't know if fear is the right word, but he, it's less that, it's less about embracing rationalism as a worldview and more about being extremely uncomfortable with uncertainty. Mm. He hates not knowing something. Yeah. And so he has to either explain it away or say, it's nothing or it's interesting. I saw this happen with a light in the sky. There was a very bright light in the sky over his house. And we were out in the yard. He looks at it and he goes, huh, what's that? And then he was like, well, it must be a satellite. And I'm thinking satellites move. Mm -hmm. That's Venus. (laughs) Like I know what it is. It's a planet. And the fact that, you know, this very rational person leapt to something that was illogical to me. Yeah. Just yeah. tells me that he could not sit with not knowing what it was. So he had to give it, it had, had to, to be something. He had to put it in a box. He had to put it in a box, but yeah. it was the wrong box. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I knew that. And it was, but, you know, anyway, again, um, yeah, I mean, I have total respect for him. <laughs> but, yeah, but, but it was so, one of those moments where I saw a materialist, how a materialist worldview behaves sometimes. I thought that was interesting. It's it's funny. My my father in law, he's not a, a complete materialist, but you know, he doesn't experience weird stuff right. like like I do. My husband has experienced some weird stuff because he lives with me, so it's going to rub off, you know, but he doesn't see things like I do. He, he hears things or he'll have a little string of odd things that happen. But, but, you know, it was right when we started the, the podcast and my father-in-law who was very proud of anything that I do, um, decided he was going to listen to the podcast, even though he doesn't believe in any of it, he's still going to listen to it. Mm And in one of the early episodes, we talked about things going missing that you know were right there. Right. Yeah, I've had one of those. And he, you know, he listened to it and and he didn't think anything of it, but he was getting ready to move from where they stay in the summer back 
home to Florida. And there was a pile of, of papers that he needed to take with him. And they had been on a table right. and he knew where they were. They weren't there. Now the house they live in in the summer is not one of those real crowded houses. It's they don't take a lot of stuff with them. They don't have a lot of, you know, a flu, what I call a, a fluvia, like mail and crap, just, you know, everywhere. They keep it pretty tidy, kind of type A tidy, you know, way tidier than I ever would. And so he knows where everything in that house is. And it wasn't there. So he calls me and he's like, what is it you said you do when you look for a thing and you look for it and you look for it and you look all over the house and you can't find it? What is it you do? I said, I ask the house to give it back. Is this what I do? And he said, so I really feel dumb. I'm like, just tell whatever it is that has it to please give it back because you need it. It's important. And he does it. And he calls me the next day. He's like, you know how you say that, you know, you talk to it and it comes back, but it's always somewhere where you've already looked. And I said, yes. He mm. said, damn it. You rubbed off on me. <laughs> he said it was in the bedroom where we stage stuff to pack. And it was, I looked right there on the bed mm -hmm. several times. Yep. I looked there. I know I looked there. And I said, I know you did too. It's okay. You got it back. That's what matters. He said, I'm not listening to your podcast anymore. <laughs> because no, I mean, I'm proud of you. It's, it's really good. You do a good job, but I'm not listening to it anymore. He's like, that's not rubbing off on me again. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't want that. <laughs> I'm like, just tell your house you don't want it to do that anymore. <laughs> oh, God. No, I had the I had the keys disappear on me like that, and it was yeah, it was a little cubby where I keep my always keep my keys, and it was you know I had to get to work, but I need to have my keys with me, and they weren't there, and I looked all over the house. I was late for work. I kept coming back to the cubby because I just could not believe that it wasn't there, right. and I was just I mean it wasn't it's a little cubby, and yeah there was it was there was some clutter in it. But I would run my hands through it, lift things, and not a sign of these. You know, it was a bunch of keys. Yeah. And I did it multiple key. times, each time more and more exasperated after having run up and down several flights of stairs. Oh, yeah. Keys. It, got, it finally got to the point where I'm like just pissed. I'm just sort of making a spectacle out of myself. And my wife is like rolling her eyes because she's getting ready for her day and she just doesn't have time for that crap right at that moment, you know. <laughs> I just almost throw a tantrum. I'm like, the keys were right there, damn it, they're right there. And yeah. And as I'm talking, as just when I'm just at the point where I'm just probably looking ridiculous, and I'm pointing at where the keys have always been, they're there. Mm -hmm. I'm looking right at them. They're right in the middle of mm -hmm. the cubby mm -hmm. where I had just run my hands through empty space. Mm -hmm. countless times and my running back and forth. Now see, I do they move in time? Is is time displacement happening? What is that? It's it, the kind of thing. Again, if I told somebody 
the, 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 well, you just, it was obviously just, you know, tucked away in a, in the corner under your detritus and without noticing, he pulled it out. You just didn't see it. But I'm like, dude, I looked at it mm -hmm. a million times. Yeah. And then I looked and it was, you know, it just, it um, happened to just be there. Yep. And I felt so ridiculous. I actually turned to my wife and I said, are you messing with me? Did you just put those keys there? <laughs> and she's just like, I don't have time for this. You know, like, I'm late too. You know, like, wow. You know, what is that? Yeah. That's, that's another one of those things that, that, you know, is that an entity that lives in your house that messes with you? Is that, is that a time displacement? Is that, another universe that you know is right up against ours and occasionally there's movement in between what what's going on with weird stuff like that there's a book called jots just one of those things is what it stands for so it's <laughs> j-o-t-t-s and it's written by somebody who works for the um, society for psychical research in england she wrote this book. There are some weird, weird instances that she recounts. Um, some of them are from as far back as the 19th century, but some of them are, you know, like there's a woman who is in a garden and is falling asleep and a letter falls into her lap from nowhere. You know, wow. what? Wow. what is that? <laughs> Special delivery from the other universe. What is that? Right. Um, but she has some amazing, interesting things to talk about there. And you just, and you know, you've experienced it, you know, when it happens, but try to explain it to most yeah. people. Yeah. And then they'll, they'll, there's going to be the set narrative that is all about not paying attention to it because. You've seen it so many times and yeah, I've heard all those explanations and it just yeah. doesn't wash anymore. It's happened too many times. Now the, the thing that my question does remain is, you know, so there's this question of whether all of this weirdness is one phenomenon or oh, yeah. many, right? Right. And I always, I always call it the phenomenon just to sort of be simple about it. Capital P whether it's a UFO or, you know, any manifestation of something odd and, and anomalous. On the grand scale of things, on the sort of like Greg Bishop scale of things, I, I, I think he's really onto this something with this idea of co-creation. It seems right. like there's something big out there, bigger than us, that's communicating with us, you know, but it's, there's a logic and a, that's just beyond us. And it mm -hmm. seems to be interacting with our imaginations. It seems to want to tell us something or teach us something or guide us in some weird way. Right. So there's a sense that something's acting on the big, on the big stage to yeah. guide humanity, capital H. And then you get this nonsense going on in your house, <laughs> which is like completely, this has nothing to do with the history of the human race. This is just messing with me. Why? You know, that, sort of, that, that seems like, you know, that, that seems like it, that indicates, yeah, that there are, you know, maybe there are 
there are hierarchies of these things. You're like yeah, the big things be. and the little things that just want to mess with you. Yeah. Because they can. Right. <laughs> because it's funny. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. But yeah, I mean that's 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 kind of how my father-in-law was was about it. I said, "So, what do you think happened?" He said, "Oh, I think I'm just getting old." And I'm like, "Do you really think that?" And he goes, mm, "Not really, but that's what I'm going to say." You know, so you explain it however you can explain it, but I I've, I've given up. <laughs> I just if I ask and it's returned, then it then it's fine crazy so wow so do you feel like part of this phenomenon has like purposely guided you to doing a podcast probably i mean i feel like part of part of this phenomena has has guided me to do all sorts of things um that i probably wouldn't have done otherwise right um you know i my my idea about it is is kind of like Greg's co-creation, but I also think that our minds are sort of like wardrobes mm-hmm. for the phenomena. Like yep. it it can put on an outfit that lives already in our minds that is the mm-hmm. easiest way that it can communicate with us. Right. In whatever it, it is that it wants to communicate with us. Um, because for years I wondered why I didn't really see gray aliens. Um, because, you know, I grew up reading UFO books, like, you know, but with two exceptions, I've never really seen one. Now those two exceptions were really horrible and I don't like it. And so I'm not going to talk about it right now, but, (laughs) Um, that may be why I've never seen them. Uh, but I, I thought about it and I realized that my worldview had already kind of started to be formed through literature and poetry and folklore mm-hmm. long before I started reading UFO stuff. And right. that may have sort of predisposed me to look at things in a fairy lore, folklore um, witch lore kind of way. Right. You know? And so that's part of why I've started really doing the, uh, trying not to interpret things that I see immediately as I'm seeing them, but try to keep in my mind, the facts of what I'm seeing. Like, okay, it's orange. It's, a sphere it's floating right in front of my face outside the window it's at night there's no moon you know and, and trying to not mm-hmm. analyze it until after i've written down the the exact thing that i saw without right. interpretation i'm not always great at it but i try it's it's hard i mean humans are wired to read patterns and mm-hmm. and connect things to narratives. Um, I mean, that's what half of what I've done for a living is about branding and exactly. logos and advertising. It's about connecting with people through 
stories and getting, you know, and, and trying to figure out what makes them tick emotionally so that you can make them buy this thing or something or, or see right. the benefit of something. Um, what was he going to say? Um, you know, this whole thing about whether people see grays or not, um, I find interesting because part of my training has been like to come up with a brand, um, to do research on, well, who the, who the cohort is, what, what is the market for this brand and what, what are the values of that market? And so what story can you tell that will appeal to that market? Mm -hmm. And my favorite part of any project like that is the very beginning where it's just like you're casting a huge net and depending on the company or the approach that the company takes, like I worked at one place that I loved their approach. It was wide open. They'd get every designer in the office involved, whether they were actually on that account or not. And we just have a brainstorm and get some basic ideas jotted down. And then people go off and just research stuff. But the whole thing was just basically mining culture mm -hmm. for images, ideas, mm -hmm. slapping it up on a wall. So we'd have this big wall that was like a, you know, it would be almost a collage. Everyone would add to the wall and there'd be photographs, there'd be, you know, quotations, there'd be. I'd always stick in some line from Blake or something. <laughs> yeah. like, you know, world of the grain of sand. That's a good one. That's a good, that's always a good one to go up on the wall. Yeah. Um, but this whole thing of trying to figure out the DNA of a brand, what should go into a brand? What are the thoughts and emotions that should go into a brand? And I'm finding that that, that training has been useful for this little pet project I have, which is in a similar way that you wonder why you haven't seen grays. I wonder why do people no longer, I mean, this is a broad statement, but still by and large, people don't see flying saucers right. really, anymore. Flying right. saucers had a time. Kind of, mm -hmm. you know. So my branding brain is like, well, what's that about? Here's this, icon a flying saucer why was it so big for a certain time what went into that and so i've been sort of trying to break that down it's a it's become this <laughs> massive project that i have to whip into some kind of shape i think i'm whipping it into some kind of presentation but basically it's about what was it about especially american imagination in the years after the bomb, really, I think, mm -hmm. that led to this flying saucer being what it was. Now, I'm mm -hmm. not saying people didn't see flying saucers. I'm just saying, what were we, why were we co-creating a flying saucer yeah. in that time? And I have some ideas and I'm following some leads, but. Have you I read Trinity that, yet? Not yet. You I have to read it if you're going to work on that project. <clears throat> and he really you know, that came into, out as I was thinking about yeah, this stuff. He he really goes into the tie-in with nuclear weapons and the the bomb. I really think that's the bomb 
was some kind of linchpin. Again, something happened there that changed a few narratives and basically helped introduce what I think of as the first truly big abstract archetype. Mm. Like when you go back through history and you look, you know, we've got ghosts, we've got poltergeists, we've got the Fae, we've got all sorts of They're mostly humanoid things or personified things. Or they reference something. Right. The flying saucer... I mean, you can make cases that, yeah, there things in history. I mean, Valet says, you know, uh, people would see shields over battlefield. A shield could be a flying saucer, but right. it was a shield. They, those people, thought of it as a shield, right? And it had a symbolic significance to them as a shield. A flying right. saucer is completely abstract. I mean, mm-hmm. people thought of saucers like cups and saucers, but you know, that's just because they had no other. No one's really connecting it to a saucer, you know, right? <laughs> on, on right. Plate. But that's because words were so limited, so they had they latched onto that. After Kenneth Arnold, they latched onto that. Um, but I think there's a bunch of reasons why the flying saucer was such a big icon for that. Now you're going to have to come back and talk about that then. Uh, well, as soon as I put it together and like. A semi-linear, <laughs> relatable <laughs> fashion. It's a cohesive, yeah, I understand. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Because I have seen one of those I, when I was 12. You did I see saw it. Was it a daytime? upside-down bowl. Wow. Looking thing. That's Silver. Cool. Yeah. Silver. See, it's so specific, too. Mm-hmm. Specific and yet not. Because, you know, yeah. you've seen the posters with all the different types. Right, and- yeah. But still, that's a big one. They were almost always mirror-like or silver saucers, and they were round. So, yeah, I've seen one. Where did did you see it? Over Charleston, West Virginia. Wow. I was with my mom. Um, We were taking a walk. We were talking. And I had my camera with me because I was taking pictures of uh, cats and dogs and people's yards. Like, because I was tired of taking pictures of my cats and dogs. <laughs> I was 12. And, uh, you know, we were walking and my mom stops in front of this big maple tree and she points at it, points up at the sky, up in the branches of this maple tree. And she says, look at that bird. So I look basically where she's pointing and I don't see a bird. But I see off to the left and out of the corner of my eye movement and I turned my head and looked and there was what looked like an upside down cereal bowl that was silver. Right. And it was doing the descending the stairs movement. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. It's just, just as plain as day right up against a blue sky. And I'm standing there going, "Uh, uh, uh," (laughs) you know, my mom is going, what kind of bird is that? Look at it. It's red. And I'm like, I don't see a bird, you know? And she's like, well, it, it's right there. Can't you see it? I'm like, no, no, I don't see a bird. And this went on for just, you know, mm-hmm. 20 seconds or something. Yeah. And 
then it it dipped behind the houses. You know, that we were Charleston's in a river valley. So there's all these hills around it, but where we were is pretty much right in the valley. So, you know, it didn't go very far before it went behind houses. And I'm just standing there. And then I realized that I had my camera. Yeah. Yeah. The whole time. And I never yeah. thought to take a picture. Right. And then my mother said, Where'd the bird go? And I'm like, Mom, there isn't a bird. She said, it must have flown away. I'm like, and she's like, what are you talking? I said, there wasn't a bird. She goes, well, how do you know? I saw it. I'm like, because I didn't see a bird. And she's like, well, did you see something? And I said, yes. And Were so you I guys looking at the same thing? No, she was looking in the tree and I was looking just off the edge of the tree. Oh, man. Into the sky. Birds flying parallel with UFOs again. Yeah, exactly. And and she was like, it was red, but it wasn't a cardinal. I'm like, mom, we don't have red birds that aren't cardinals here. You know, I'm like, and I didn't see it and I would have seen it. She was like, it was about the size of a pigeon. I'm like, we definitely don't have those. You know, I was like, and she was like, well, what did you see? So I told her, she goes, oh, that's nonsense. You know, and and we're going (laughs) home. And we're arguing about it back and forth. And she's still going on about that damn bird. And, you know, about finally, I just, we just stopped talking to each other because we were just bickering at that point. I was still in shock at what I had seen. I had just read Keel too. Mm-hmm. And uh, we get home and my dad says, Hey, did you have a good walk? And I just walked up to him and stood next to him. He's reading the newspaper and I just looked at him and he was like, what? And I said, I saw, I saw a UFO. And he's, he asked me what it looked like. And I told him, and then my mom came in and she said, oh, that's nonsense. You didn't actually see that. I said, yeah. And mom thought she saw a bird. She goes, what bird? So something went weird what? in her memory. Right. To this day, she does not remember the bird wow. or the UFO. Wow. And then she was like, well, if you saw one, why didn't you tell me? I was like, I told you on the way home. So something, and that really scared me because it (laughs) messed with her mind. And then I started thinking, you know, I saw it. Did it see me? Mm -hmm. And so I didn't read weird, you know, I didn't read anything weird for a week or so. I was pretty weirded out. And my mom was mad at my dad. She's like, it's those books you bring home. You shouldn't let her read those. He's like, she can read whatever she wants. And then he bought me my own copy of the Mothman Prophecies a week later oh, cool. and tossed it in my lap and said, there you go. Well, that's the weirdest of the weird. That yeah. One. Yeah. That's funny. But yeah, that that's that was my UFO. My first, that wasn't a light in the sky UFO. Well, see that, what's, the thing of seeing Two people or more looking up into the sky and seeing completely different things. Not that they're seeing, looking, you know, because there's that phenomenon of looking at the same thing, but not seeing the same thing. Yeah. But then there's also the, everyone's looking over there and I'm seeing this crazy thing over here. But yeah. Yeah. Then the moment's lost. You know? Yeah. That was my, that was the, my first light, weird light in the sky experience at this camp the first time. It was so frustrating. Oh yeah, it's it's craziness making. 
we were all looking up, we were stargazing and it was a beautiful night and all the stars were out. And, you know, I, of course, had this thought like, wow, wouldn't it be cool if I saw something? But I'm looking up straight up at the Milky Way, right? And everyone's mm-hmm. looking up at the Milky Way. Um, my wife and I and this other um, family man, a wife and a kid, we happened to be walking together across this field, the camp. But I happened to just sort of rest my eyes and look down. And as I looked down, this fiery yellow-orange ball kind of ducks behind some trees. Hmm. And I just was like, whoa, did you see that? No one saw it. Everyone was looking at the stars. Yeah. And that's, I got that interpretation of like, I'm down here. Y'all are looking out there. I'm over, I'm here. I'm part of, I'm down here with you guys. I'm not up in the cosmos. You know, I'm part of the earth. I'm behind the trees. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then of course the next, the next year I see the lights, but they look way up in the sky and they look like stars. So it's like. They're not real consistent that way. No, but it's almost like. Now, this goes back to something really interesting I heard you say once about um, you were telling someone that the Fae are not little cute or and then, then it decided wing, to- and then you saw one and it's basically telling you, well, I can be whatever. Yeah. I'll be what I want to be. I felt like the lights were kind of saying that. Like mm-hmm. First they were saying, I'm not up there. I'm down here. And then this but we can summer. be up there if we want to. Well, we're, yeah, we're up there. And then it was like <laughs> we're kind of up there. And um, by the way, the birds are down here, and they do, and they know about us. And we're, you know, it's like yeah. then the message to me was as above, so below. You know, yep. so it's like they they keep switching it up, but they're saying they're trying to say something. Yeah, they're talking to you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, these, these creatures talk to us, whatever they are. Well, you're looking sleepy. And yeah. we've been talking for over two oh hours. God. Wow. Okay. Yeah. No, that's okay. I mean, you know, we, we had, we've had longer sessions than this, but we do tend to edit it's them just, down. You know, there's just so much to talk about. And one thing leads to the other, but I love Oh, that. I know. I know. But yeah. You're welcome to come back. I really want to hear about this, you know, why the flying saucers were a thing and then they're less oh, cool. of a thing now. Because yep. I, I've i thought the same thing. And when I was a kid, you know, aliens had way more shapes and sizes and colors mm-hmm. and, and they tended to be all humanoid, which, right. you know, makes me go, I don't know how alien you really are. Right. But they did have many different shapes and sizes and, and colors. And now they've kind of become standard into the grays. And so I feel it's like a similar kind of question Mm -hmm. as to what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. UFOs used to be phantasmagorical. Mm -hmm. And now they're just like a little white tic-tac dot on some fighter pilots. viewfinder. like, that's all we see now. And they're making mm-hmm. such a big deal out of it, you know. Just the 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 Air Force, uh, Navy, whatever. The, yes, the Navy. I think they're just resetting it. Mm-hmm. They're just resetting the narrative. It's like they're like 
forget Kenneth Arnold and everything that came after that. This is the new Kenneth Arnold. We're starting here <laughs> because we want to control the narrative. You know, I don't know. It's, it seems a thought. It's a thought. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's um. I got to get these guys up in the morning to school. Yes, I have to get mine up too. So thank you for coming and talking with me. Oh, thank you for for having me. You are, like I said, you're welcome back any, any time. Thank you. Well, that's all for this week's episode of the Six Degrees of John Keel podcast. If you have any questions or thoughts about the podcast or would like to come and talk about your experiences of the paranormal, you can contact us at 6djk67 at gmail.com. We promise to even answer you, and we are always happy to hear from you. Thank you.